Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Project MedTech. I'm your host, Dwayne Mancini. As always, if you need anything from the podcast or would like to suggest a future guest, please email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can always visit our website, www.projectmedtech.com, or follow us on LinkedIn. This is another episode of MedTech Money powered by Project MedTech. This is a special series by Project MedTech where we have partnered with Mr. MedTech himself, Giovanni Loricella, in a series of podcast episodes focusing on money in the MedTech space. Today's guest is Paul Grand from MedTech Innovator. In this episode, Giovanni and Paul discuss MedTech Innovator, how they add value to a startup company, common errors he used to see in startup companies, the mechanics of how MedTech Innovator works, how they prepare their companies for external capital, and more. So without further ado, Giovanni's discussion with Paul Grand. Medical innovation starts with medical discussion. Talking about the future and what comes next with Project MedTech. Paul, thank you very much for joining us. It's no short introduction. I, I do want the longer one, but I have the Paul Grand on today, which I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs in the space are quite aware of. Paul Grand from the MedTech Innovator, and we're going to get into the introductions in the background shortly. But I want to say welcome and thank you very much for your time again on the MedTech Money podcast series, powered by Project MedTech and sponsored by Lifeblood Capital. And Paul, the reason why we're here is I've talked to thousands of MedTech entrepreneurs and investors around the world, and I've discovered that there's no real silver bullet or specific formula about how to raise or invest capital in MedTech. So my goal here was I wanted to extract insights and anecdotal stories from entrepreneurs, investment bankers, investors, accelerators like yourself, to help those who can benefit from the information and for generations of both entrepreneurs and investors to come. So I imagine the audience is probably a mixture of experts and novices listening in today. And I wanted to extract your stories, insights, advice, so that we can share with what I imagine is that first time founder or CEO that has no clue about what lies ahead of them on their journey of raising capital. And I know that you're privy to a lot of those early stage entrepreneurs. So I thought the best place to start is from learning from experienced professionals like yourself. So the reason why you and I are here today is certainly discussing the MedTech innovator as well as your background, but the understanding of what the accelerator does in the medtech ecosystem, what can it do, what value it provides, and ultimately, how can it help mature a startup to either go out and successfully raise external capital or other options that it may bring to a startup going through an accelerator program. Before we get into that, I have three open-ended questions that I just wanted to engage the audience with. So first one is, do you believe that people and money are the lifeblood of a med tech startup? Why or why not? Or am I missing anything else important? Thanks, Giovanni. Uh, great to be here. And, uh, you know, I think your question is a really good one. Um, you know, what is, what's the lifeblood of a med tech company? I believe that the lifeblood of a med tech innovator, uh, I believe that the lifeblood of a med tech company is comprised of four things. Uh, I think you have to have an innovation. I think you have to offer value. 
you have to have a great team and of course capital without any of those four things you won't succeed and we're going to learn much more about your background and what led you become the founder and ceo of medtech innovator however if you knew now what you know now, I should say, if you knew what you knew then about what you know now about being a, both a medtech entrepreneur as well as an investor, in addition to now having this great accelerator program for the medtech ecosystem, would you do it all over again? Why or why not? Or what could you do or what would you do differently? I'd absolutely do it again. Uh, I've been uh, I've had a long career in this in this sector, which I'm sure we'll talk more about in detail today. Um, but starting MedTech Innovator as an accelerator um, has been the greatest decision uh, that I made. It's the best job I've ever had in my life, um, and I would absolutely do it over again. And it's very straightforward, simply like this podcast name, MedTech Money. Um, but there's always a story behind a name. And oftentimes it's interesting. Sometimes they're shorter, sometimes they're longer. However, what does the name of your company mean, MedTech Innovator? How did you come about creating that name to call your accelerator? So MedTech Innovator is really named for the people that we're helping, um, which are the innovators behind these incredible MedTech companies. Uh, it's the reason why I wake up every day uh, and, and focus on this space is because there's these incredible innovators that are out there all over the world working tirelessly to make all of us healthier, uh, you know, give us better lives, and uh, and they need our support. So the the name for our organization is focused on them, uh, the medtech innovator. And uh, at our core, we are focused on improving lives. But the only way to improve lives is by supporting the innovators that are that are working to do so. So I want to take this one step further because I know that I have a very strong passion for the medtech industry. Obviously, you do as well. But sometimes, even when it talks about VCs, for example, when we interview VCs, medtech is a portion of their fund. Life science is something else. Maybe digital house is a third component at this point. Um, but when you create a name, and there's many podcasts or articles that talk about how the importance of creating a name can somehow be limiting if you don't see the future, right? So by calling it MedTech Innovator, you are truly committing to this space. Did you give that thought? Was there ever any thought about expansion outside of it? Did you want to dilute yourself outside the MedTech space or why such a strong commitment? So uh, yes, we've given it lots of thought. Um, at, uh, at our core, again, you know, we, we believe medtech is the space to be focused on for a number of reasons, uh, but medtech, I believe, encompasses everything that's regulated by CDRH, as well as, um, as well as some things that, you know, may be consumerish right now that eventually become regulated, um, as many of these companies do. So that's everything, you know, meaning, you know, devices, digital health, diagnostics, um, and uh, and even some of the tools, technologies that are out there all fall under that, you know, same kind of category. So that's what we believe, you know, we, we basically have encompassing under our med tech banner. Um, if we were going to do something else and get into biopharma, then we'd have biopharma innovator. Um, <laughs> but but I but, you know, to that point, we actually recently started a program called BioTools Innovator hmm. and BioTools Innovator is a uh, you know it's still part of our 
overall entity. It's its own program right now. It's not its own entity. Um, but it, we gave it a distinct name because biotools are a little bit different than the conventional med tech space. Um, and it's got independent funding. It's got an independent program, an independent program director who's leading it. Um, you know, everything is, is distinct in that because it really needs that. Um, but as an organization, you know, MedTech Innovator remains MedTech Innovator uh, because it really is ultimately about medical technology. I love it. So thank you for the commitment to the industry. We all appreciate it. And so we're going to get more in depth now to the man behind the voice right now, but I don't think he needs too much of an introduction, but we want it anyway, because I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs around the world, early stage MedTech entrepreneurs specifically, already know who you are based on the name and the brand of MedTech Innovator. But who is Paul Grant? Where are you from? What was your career like? And how did you become the founder and CEO of MedTech Innovator? How did that idea get spawned? And what career did you build to lead you to that moment? Well, I have a really interesting background. Um, I think, you know, as we go through and look at thousands and thousands of companies, you know, it's always interesting to see the, you know, the background where people came from, um, you know, were they scientists, were they engineers, et cetera, you know, what led them to be where they are. And that certainly factors in many ways into, you know, the kind of a leader they're going to be. Um, my background is definitely on the business side. Uh, so I was an entrepreneur. I started a number of companies in the tech space, uh, in biopharma and in med tech, and really enjoyed that. Loved being a CEO, loved working, uh, you know, to raise capital. I mean, I know sometimes raising capital is hard and frustrating, but I actually really enjoyed it. Um, love, love starting things, you know, I, you know, the startup itself, I started eight different companies um, and, uh, and, you know, raised funding for them and did all those things. Um, and I typically would move on to my next company after we got to the point where we need an HR department. <laughs> You know, when when there is, you know, enough people to manage that we needed HR, that was around the right time for me to move on. I, I just like starting things. Um, and as I mentioned, my last startup um, was one in the biopharma space. Um, and one of the investors who was uh, on our board said, you know, came to one of our board meetings, you know, biopharma is a lot slower than med tech. Things move, you know, at a different pace when you're screening for, you know, for leads and after I think like the fourth board meeting where I reported that there was nothing to report um, in a little more detail than that, um, one of the investors said, you know, you know, it seems like you've got some spare time. We've got a bunch of companies we've been incubating. Uh, maybe you'd like to help out with one of those. Um, so this is uh, RCT Ventures or Research Corporation Technologies. And I said, oh, that sounds great. And they said, you know, take your pick. They gave me a bunch of companies. I chose one of them, which is a company in the antibiotic space. Um, which I was moving along and then in some studies on a part-time basis. And then they called me again and said, hey, um, you know, if you'd be interested, we have an opportunity for you to join the firm. And I thought, wow, what a terrific thing. Uh, you know, I'll learn venture capital. This will be great. Uh, maybe I'll see some really interesting company. I'll jump out and, you know, be the CEO of that next company. This is pretty cool. So um, I, I went ahead and did that. I joined the company um, and that was back in, I think it was 2004, 2005 um, and, and spent uh, and spent what, as I said, maybe I thought was going to be a year turned into 12 uh, wonderful years working for RCT. And, uh, and I'd still be working for there uh, if I hadn't started MedTech Innovator. Uh, MedTech Innovator started as a program. 
originally, and I'll give you the whole history, maybe, uh, you know, as a separate answer here, so we don't have to go on too long. Um, but I started that as a, as a, as a, an idea for a competition back in 2013. We spun it out in 2016. Um, and uh, the agreement was that I would go along to be the CEO. So it was funded partially by RCT to get it started. Um, I didn't quit and go start an accelerator. I did it with the blessing and support of RCT, um, as well as uh, our first sponsor at J&J. So my background, as I said, it was a, an interesting journey to get here. Um, the reason I love supporting entrepreneurs is that at my core, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I'm running a startup here at MedTech Innovator, even though we're pretty big in terms of our scope. We're pretty lean in terms of our staff. We definitely are a startup. Um, I love the startup space. And, you know, having met, like you, thousands and thousands of innovators, um, I recognized that there was major gaps out there. And we could talk about those in a little bit. Uh, but I knew that I could help. I could help in that space. I could help these innovators as I've been doing for years, I knew I could do in a more um, formal way. And uh, that's why we started MedTech Innovator. So that's me. Um, and uh, and I, as I said, I still function like a like a entrepreneur. I wake up early in the morning thinking about my business. I stay up late at night thinking about it. It wakes me up in the middle of the night. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be a startup CEO if, uh, if that wasn't the case. So now that we know who you are, tell us about what MedTech Innovator does. What is the value that it brings to the MedTech ecosystem? What are some of the major accomplishments that you've seen over the past four or five years of building it out? Tell us what it is. Well, it is really interesting because we, we struggled a lot with what to call ourselves, not as a name, but as a, uh, a category. Uh, you know, we definitely are an accelerator. So I think that was the right categorization for us. But when you say accelerator, it often brings to mind the idea of uh, a regional accelerator. Most of them are regional. Um, you know, there's some kind of economic development focused organization that might be tied to a university or to a region um, or maybe to a sector. But the idea is generally to you know, bring people to that particular university or, or people who are spinning out of the university and to make them successful or, or to maybe improve um, you know, uh, jobs in Texas or in, in Kansas or in Boston or wherever it might be. Um, and we are not that at all. Um, and so we wanted to be careful that people didn't say, oh, this is a place where people come with ideas to start a company. Um, that's what you typically think of as an accelerator. And that is not MedTech Innovator. We are not a, a place where people with some, some good ideas show up and we tell them how to start a company. Um, so that would be more, to me, that's more of an incubator um, but a lot of the accelerators, that's what they are. You know, people come out with an idea and they, they get some good advice and they do their kind of prototypes and then, then they go raise capital on the demo day. And that is not MedTech Innovator. Um, what MedTech Innovator is, um, is a very focused entity with a singular mission, which is to bring technology to patients with the maximum value possible. And, you know, if you stop and you, you take a step back and you think about that, again, what I just said, um, most of the companies that are out there um, that we know of, you know, we've had over 6,000 companies apply to MedTech Innovator, so we've seen a lot of them. Um, most of the companies that are out there are going to fail. Most of the companies that are out there um, are, are ones that don't have what it takes. You know, they don't have those four core elements that we talked about at the start of this podcast. You know, they don't have either the right team. They don't have the right innovation. They don't offer the right value. And they certainly probably don't have the capital that's needed. 
Um, um, or they might have some combination or all of those things, and they're still not going to be successful. Uh, and so what we focused on is we said, we want to be, we want to find the companies that do check all the boxes that are on the path to success um, and that have the right pop possibility um, ahead of them, but um, you know, are still early enough that we can have an influence on these companies and help them get to market with the maximum value possible. Um, and so that, you know, I'll, I'll keep talking about value probably today. So hopefully you won't get too bored of it, Giovanni. But, um, but, but, but it is all about value. Um, ultimately, you can develop an amazingly innovative product and you can have an amazing team and lots of money and, and no one's going to buy it um, if it doesn't offer the right value. And, and so we recognized when I was an investor, I would see these companies all the time. Um, and the strategics that I worked with and would talk with it regularly at conferences from J&J and all these other companies, we'd sit around and we'd say like, God, did you see that company? Man, they were so interesting, but you know, they, you know, they made this critical mistake and, you know, and now no one can invest in them because they made that mistake. Maybe it's the wrong CEO and the way they structured the company, this person is attached forever and they're not going anywhere. Maybe the founder has too much control. Um, maybe it's not structural or team-based. Maybe it's something in the technology. They just failed to do some experiment that was obvious to me and obvious to other people, but they didn't do it and they're out of money. And without that evidence, we can't invest in them or we can't acquire them um, if we were a strategic. Um, and the same thing goes for, you know, the strategics when it comes to, you know, buy a company, you know, a company comes in and they're, you know, they're, they're evaluating them and they sit down with them and they go, you know, really interesting and love your team and all these things. But there was just some key mistake made a year ago. Um, and then you would hear it. We'd all say the same thing. We'd be like, boy, I wish I met that company earlier. And there's too many of those, right? Where people have poured millions of dollars and spent years of their lives in an area where there's a huge unmet need and they made a key mistake that's gonna cause this company not to be successful. And so MedTech Innovator was formed to stop that. It was formed to address that problem, to say, let's get to these people, let's find the key ones, let's find these, you know, that top, top, top tier, the cream at the top, right? Let's find those companies anywhere in the world, we don't care where they are, and make sure that they're successful. Let's do everything we can to get them to patients and with the right value. So that was why we formed MedTech Innovator. That's what we focus on. That's what we do every single day. And I think we've been very successful at it. So if anyone pays attention to LinkedIn or all the other media platforms that you push out your awareness on, which I see a lot of it, um, beyond the, the shows that you put on or the competitions that you put on, is that the core focus of how someone drives through MedTech Innovator or are, are there things that we're not seeing that MedTech Innovator does individually with their companies that are involved off, off the screen? Yeah, so that, it's a great question. And, and it's probably um, the most important thing to understand is that the competition, um, the prizes we give away is just the splash at the end. It's the, you know, it's our equivalent of a demo day. Um, it's not, the program, you know, that's the end. That's like the, let's get some people some visibility. Uh, and there's no better way of doing that than putting them up on a stage in front of the entire industry um, where they can vote on them. And that was a key part, by the way, I don't want to trivialize it. So we do give away this year, it'll be a million dollars in prizes, non-dilutive to the companies that are part of MedTech Innovator. Um, but it doesn't go to everybody. 
It's merit-based. MedTech Innovator has always been merit-based. There's no pay to play. Um, you can't, there's no application fee. No one can pay us to be part of MedTech Innovator. It's entirely merit-based. Um, and everything to the program is merit-based and the competition at the end, the competitions, there's multiple competitions, are designed to give visibility to some of the top companies in our cohort. But I mean, this year between our four different cohorts, we have 85 companies this year alone. Um, and of those companies, we'll only be able to put about 15 of them in our various competitions that happen throughout the program. So, you know, that doesn't mean the other 70 aren't incredible companies, they are. So um, the competitions are just a way to give people additional visibility. Um, and, uh, and we can talk more about what the, the key offering is at MedTech Innovator. And I'll just start off with that just to you know, kind of get into that a little bit, which is that the program is the prize. The actual MedTech Innovator program, which is a four month accelerator, um, is the prize. The, um, the program is a highly curated experience where companies are paired up with mentors from all across the industry, um, be they our corporate partners, and we have 27 corporate partners, um, or be they um, the um, thousands of people that have been mentors and advisors in MedTech Innovator over the years, investors, hospital systems, you know, patients, you know, customers in general, the FDA, um, and obviously, a lot of the, the key consulting firms that are service providers in this industry, all these people are part of MedTech Innovator's ecosystem, and many, many more, clinicians and others. There's all the key people that you would find um, the best of breed people. We've gone out and we found them. Um, we like to say we've built the world's best ecosystem and we bring them to the world's best startups um, instead of the other way around. Uh, going back to your question about accelerators, most accelerators you have to move in with the accelerator for some period of time. We know these companies are up and running. Um, the companies that we work with, uh, and I guess, I, you know, again, long answer here, but criteria-wise, you have to be up and running. You have to have a team. You have to be more downstream than the typical accelerator. You have a prototype, at least. You have some evidence that it works, um, whether that's historical evidence from somebody else and you're in a, you've got a great predicate or it's your own evidence. Uh, maybe, you know, people are in patients, people are in the market in some cases who are at MedTech Innovators. So we take companies of all sorts of stages, but we're definitely more downstream than the other accelerators. Every other accelerator feeds into MedTech Innovator. Um, it's not that I'd like to say that we have no competition. We certainly have other places you could choose to go for acceleration, but we act more like a venture capital firm in terms of the value we add, um, with the exception of writing a, a $10 million check. Um, but we do everything else that you would hope to get from a good venture capital fund. So you come from a venture capital background. Typically, venture capital is in it for not only making a difference, but also there's return, there's money to be made. You mentioned that applicants and program attendees in the MedTech Innovator don't pay anything. It's all merit-based. I'm assuming that you don't have a Bezos bank account that you're doing this in your retirement for fun. Um, so is it a nonprofit? Is it for profit? I mean, how does that whole mechanic, how did you decide that? And how does all this work? Is it all just the world giving to MedTech Innovator so you can continue giving to the space? Talk about those mechanics. Yeah, that is a great question, Giovanni. So MedTech Innovator is a nonprofit. Um, we set it up intentionally in that way. The idea was to have a completely no strings attached environment 
where the best people all over the world um, without any particular strings or bias would have the ability to help innovators. Um, and you know, with a complete alignment, everyone should be aligned in the same way, which is just helping this innovation ecosystem. Um, and as you know, you're in the space, um, these companies need help. And uh, you know, I think I mentioned a little bit of this before, but you know, in more detail, the mechanics here is that you know, companies apply to MedTech Innovator. Um, we start off with our application cycle generally at the end of October every year. So we, we wrap up our program in October and we open applications in October um, with really no space in between. So we start as soon as we wrap up a year. Um, in October, people start applying. We run applications through January, at the end of January. Um, usually give a little space after JP Morgan because people get distracted in January. Um, and then we run a road tour from February through the very beginning of May, where we travel around with all of our corporate partners and we go meet with about the top 20% of the applicants. Um, in 2021, we had 1,800 plus applicants to our four programs, um, the majority of which was to our flagship U.S.-based program. Um, and when I say U.S.-based, I mean the U.S. market is the target of the company. A lot of our companies are from other countries. Um, but the focus is um, on, on meeting with these innovators during that road tour. So we spend February through, as I said, late April, early May, literally traveling around. We go to different cities all over the world every single year, American Idol style, um, except instead of having a panel of three people sitting in the front of the room, we bring around 90 judges with us to every one of those events. Um, we'll meet with 30 companies and we pair those companies up with judges who are interested in them. So they get to spend focus time with investors, clinicians, um, with, with uh, hospital systems, with uh, obviously strategics, our corporate partners and others, service providers, but people who are handpicked, completely curated, invite only. There's no open audience that can come and sit in the room. Um, this is a focused partnering road tour um, where we handpick companies to advance all of those companies are selected by our corporate partners and by input from the others who are, who are helping us during the application phase. And that's, as I said, hundreds to thousands of people. Um, and those companies, even if all they do is they get on the road tour and they get to go to one of those events and pitch, they live with deals, they leave with relationships, they leave with networking connections to other people who are there pitching as well. Those events are highly valuable to everybody. Um, at the end of the road tour, we do a ton of diligence on all the companies, the top companies. We meet in deliberation sessions with every one of those judges as a group. So imagine a room of 90 experts all sitting around and we put the companies up on the screen and we talk about them for at least an hour. Um, and we go through at the end of the day. And then we say, all right, who wants to follow up with those companies? And people tell us, and they literally raise their hand, um, either physically or electronically. We have a whole system we built, but all those people then spend their time volunteering. So again, mechanics, nonprofit, these are volunteers. No one's getting paid except for my staff. Um, they volunteer their time at all these great companies and they do it because you know, they wanna have relationships with these companies. These are the best of breed innovators that are out there and everybody wants to be working with them. So, um, so that's, the, that's the attraction for them is getting early relationships with these unbelievable companies that if we were a paid program or if we were taking equity in every single company, 
um, it would be a different mechanic. It would be a different, you know, a different kind of incentive. And in many cases, a disincentive because these companies have raised capital already um, in most cases. Um, and if they haven't, they have huge grant funding behind them. Um, so it's a different thing when you have to go to your board and say, hey, I want to give $50,000 of equity to this little, you know, accelerator in Cleveland or whatever. Um, that, that's a totally different kind of a model. We don't have, no one has to go to their board for approval, um, but they do have to make time to be part of MedTech Innovator. So that's the whole process, eight months that leads up to the program. And then we have a four month program, which I'll tell you more about later. But again, mechanics wise, we don't take equity in the companies. It's completely founder friendly. Um, it's designed to be value adding from the beginning to the end. So, you know, the, in fact, I'd say at this point, I think it's this year was 20% of the companies that applied came from referrals and nominations from investors um, and from, in some cases, our alumni, uh, many cases, our alumni. And often it's multiple people nominating the same company. Um, so, which tells you a lot um, about the ecosystem. So, people, so investors are sending us companies. You know, usually an accelerator is not going to have an investor sending a company to be part of an accelerator. Um, but in MedTech Innovators' case, they know that we're adding a huge amount of value to their portfolio, and that's why they do it. So that's some of the mechanics. Um, nonprofit, it was designed intentionally that way. And when we give funding, it is in the form of a grant, totally non-dilutive. And so that's going back to that merit base, right? So clearly, from what you just shared, it sounds like it's one way, meaning MedTech Innovator is giving back to these innovators, right? So there's no financial incentive for MedTech Innovator. They're not paying you. And you have all these resources that you're one way able to provide. However, those startups that are getting through that program, or at least accepted to that program, have to be, as you mentioned before, the cream of the crop. So that merit-based system, they have to really work hard to be acceptable, if you will, to that program. And if they do, that's where all that value comes in. Correct. And, you know, we could talk about more about, you know, what what the investors and other people who are sitting there in our deliberations and who give us feedback tell us and kind of like how we get into, you know, how we choose companies. I'd be happy to share a little more about that as we talk. Um, but that you're absolutely right. It is totally merit based. Um, it is something that you have to work hard at. Um, if someone comes in uh, and by the way, one of our key criteria is interested in being coached, interested in you know, receptive to feedback. That's one of the metrics that our judges evaluate. Those 90 judges in the room evaluate every company based on whether or not they're coachable. Um, and it's the same thing that an investor wants to see. You don't want to, you don't want to give your, your time and advice to somebody who's not interested in it. Um, and so we might have a great company that applies to MedTech Innovator, in terms of what they're trying to accomplish in their team on paper and all those things. But the reason we meet with them in person uh, is to really evaluate them and say, do we want to work with these people and do they want to work with us? And we'll have people who sit in the room and argue, the judges will argue afterwards where someone will say, boy, that guy was not coachable or that woman was just, she, she knew everything. She dismissed everything I brought up as feedback. Um, and someone else will go, no, no, I found them to be very coachable and they're receptive and then they'll get into a debate about it. And, um, and ultimately, if we have a red flag, we don't take the company um, or if the company pushes back on us and says, hey, you know, we're really busy and, you know, how much time this is going to take. We go, you know what, uh, if you're too busy, that's fine. We have, you know, 1700 other companies behind you. So um, don't worry about it. You know, we're very we're very choosy in that particular way. So I have a bunch of questions that came out of that and a lot of those anatomical questions we'll circle back to, but I wanted to focus on, because I've noticed, especially over the past year or so, um, 
the geography that you mentioned earlier, the, the U.S. flagship, and, and then you qualified that with having companies being based all over the world, but yet having the U.S. be the market. I've also noticed that you've had an APAC version of MedTech Innovator. So whether it's a, a separate program, the same program, but MedTech Innovator as a whole, describe the global bandwidth or outreach that you have in terms of supporting these companies. And what does that look like? Can a company from Poland, UK, India, South Africa, and Canada also apply? Or how does that look like on a global scale? Absolutely. We are 100% global. Um, the innovators who apply are from all the countries you just mentioned um, and, and many, many more. And uh, we're very good um, in that way. We reach out. So we don't just take applications inbound and, and hope they come in. We're, we're proactively going out looking for technology. Um, I should also mention that a key criteria of MedTech Innovator is that we have corporate partners. Um, you know, the companies I mentioned a couple before, Johnson & Johnson and Olympus, um, Nipro Medical Corporation, also from Japan. Um, companies we've had, you know, over the years, we've had companies from all over the industry. Um, uh, you know, as I mentioned, with 27 corporate partners in total, we have manufacturing entities like Jable, who are partners, you know, the largest manufacturer of medical technology in the world at Jable. Um, you know, these are people who are not only supporting us with their, with their dollars, but also with their feet and their time and their energy. And in some cases, we have, you know, dozens of employees from those companies volunteering, you know, many, many hours to be part of MedTech Innovator every year. Um, so, so on a global basis, as I mentioned, they'll travel with us. They'll go with us to Dublin, Ireland, where we're at the MedTech Strategist Conference for, uh, for four days. They'll be there with us, meeting with all these companies, coaching these companies. You know, they literally travel with us all to the different cities we go to. Um, and as I said, we rotate all over. We'll be in Canada. We'll be in Ireland. Um, we'll be in the U.S., certainly. And we, we perhaps will be in other countries as well in a particular cycle. Um, and this is, again, just for the U.S. program. Um, and we'll have people apply from all over the world. We, we, one of our, you know, our, our second place winner a couple of years ago, Onco Res from Australia. These are companies that wake up and will either stay up super late at night or they'll wake up at like 4 a.m. and be there every week in our sessions, every single week during the program. They're there at the pitch events if they're coming from Australia or somewhere at 3 a.m., at 2 a.m. Um, they'll stay up super late if they need to or they'll wake up really early. Um, but they understand the value they're getting out of being in MedTech Innovator. And they're, and it's not just them. They'll bring other team members to those meetings that happen every week and sometimes several times during the week during the program. Um, they'll participate in our webinars actively. Like I'll say, hey, these are webinars. We're recording them. You can pre-ask your questions. You can record it. You know, it's recorded. You can watch the recording later. You don't have to be there. And they're still awake and they still come on to ask their questions live because they get more out of it by doing that. Um, so they're very active, whether they're from the U.S. or from otherwise. To answer your question about our other programs, so we have really four cohorts now. We have MedTech Innovator, which is the U.S. flagship. We have MedTech Innovator Asia Pacific, which takes companies from Australia, New Zealand to China and everything in between. Um, you know, Southeast Asia, we have everybody from all over the place. Um, we have great companies. There's 20 companies in that cohort this year. Um, so we've already onboarded all four cohorts in the last several weeks. So this is good timing for our podcast, Giovanni. Um, so our Asia Pacific cohort, we have 20 companies in the cohort, again, that were selected out of 500 plus companies that applied. Um, we um, have companies from all over Asia Pacific, 
But their goal should be to market in Asia Pacific if they are applying to the Asia Pacific program. Um, we occasionally will have companies from Europe or the US who are part of that cohort. Um, who are, again, having to wake up at 3 a.m. to participate in the Asia-Pacific program um, because that's the time, you know, we, we operate on Singapore time. Um, we have a staff of, of two people at the moment and a third that's about to be hired in Singapore um, who run that program along with our some of our help from the U.S. program. So that's an Asia-Pacific program, totally standalone, separate team, separate funding, um, separate prizes, separate competition at the end, our US program, we end every year, um, we bookend our conference, our competitions and our program and everything um, at different conferences. And we try to pick the best ones in the industry. Um, in the US, we're partnered with MedTech Strategists, as I mentioned before, with Wilson Sonsini for their, their San Francisco conference and with Advamed for their annual meeting. And the only companies that present at the Wilson Sonsini conference or the Advamed conference are MedTech Innovator companies. So again, you know, best of breed, there's no, you can't pay your way in to present at Wilson Sonsini. You can't pay your way in to present at the AdvMed conference. You can only present if you're a MedTech innovator company. It's entirely merit-based. Um, biggest stages of the industry, biggest audiences, you know, the, these are the, the people sitting in the audience. It's, you know, it's, it's whether it's the CEO at, at J&J or Baxter or BD or Edwards or whatever, they're there in the audience. They're the ones and their leadership teams are the ones voting for the winners. That's why we we partner in that way. We want the, the industry selecting. Um, this is a long answer to your global question. So I'll wrap it up by saying that, um, that we take a global cohort every single year. We love diversity, both in geography, in race, in gender, and so on, um, and in indication. But ultimately, what we're looking to do is to find innovations that, as I said, are going to help patients and that match the interests of our corporate partners. Because if we don't have a strategic partner who's going to mentor the company um, that's interested in that company and in that space, it's a waste of our time. Um, you know, we could get other people to mentor, but ultimately this is about that corporate mentorship, about having the people who make these products and who eventually acquire these companies 99% of the time. Um, we want to make sure those people are putting their stamp on these companies. And that's, we'll talk more about what's involved in the corporate mentorship, but that's a key part of this. So as I said, global in nature, but either focused on US or focused on Asia Pacific as a market. So I hate to sound like a used car salesman here, but it really does sound too good to be true when it talks about the amount of value that you're offering these startups who actually go through your program. You have all these amazing partners and these thought leaders and being able to contribute their contribution, however it may be, in this program to these startups, partnerships, et cetera, eyes on them, growth. What's in it for these volunteers? What, how, how are you getting them to give their time? What, what's the point? Well, everyone, ultimately, I'm going to start off with a MedTech innovator criteria. This is driven by me um, as the CEO, and that's somebody we want to work with. So again, if there is, and we've had people approach us many times to be sponsors, to, you know, to give money to MedTech Innovator um, and be involved, more importantly, in MedTech Innovator, who we've turned down. Um, and we've turned them down because they're not aligned with what we're trying to do, which is help these innovators. Um, if they're coming in just to sell them, uh, if they're coming in with, you know, with, with a, a motivation that isn't about where, where they can't step back and say, you know what, it's okay for me if I don't acquire this company. It's okay for me if I don't um, get this company as a client. 
Um, if they can't say that, honestly, then they shouldn't be part of MedTech Innovate. Um, we want people who have that kind of mentality of innovation is a team sport. We're all out there just trying to, you know, rising tide floats all boats, whatever expression you want to use. There's lots of them floating around. Um, that is what we want. We want people who want to support the innovation ecosystem. Um, and that's very, very key. So that is at our core, something that's a value to MedTech Innovator. We all believe in it. My employees all feel that way. Um, no one's here just punching a clock. Um, there's easier ways, as I always say, to make money than to be in MedTech, whether you're at MedTech Innovator or whether you're a startup um, or you're an investor, you can make more money in other sectors. So if you're in it for the money, go somewhere else. Um, you know, if you're if that's your only motivation, there's other places and easier ways to make money. Um, but if you want to if you want to improve human health, if you want to improve lives, this is the greatest double bottom line there is um, because you can make money, but you can also make people better. Um, and that's very satisfying, as I'm sure you know. So the people who are involved all share that kind of general value set. It's very important to us. Um, and we do that. I'm saying we literally will talk about that as we're onboarding people and saying when they say who's the right person to be a lead, you know, here, a point person at our company, we'll talk about that. Um, so that's very important. Um, but put all that aside, as I said, there is an alignment ultimately with one of two things. Um, if you're one of our corporate partners, um, meaning either a service provider or one of the strategics. And um, those alignments are that you're looking for products that you're going to acquire someday um, if you're strategic or partner with. And if you're one of our service providers, you're looking for a client um, at some point down the road. You have to have that same philosophy I mentioned earlier. Fine. But um, you're, you're interested in these companies. You want a relationship with the best companies in the world. Um, instead of going, I mean, think about it. I'm sure you've done this, Giovanni. I've done a ton of this in my career. Um, where you go to a university and you listen to a bunch of pitches or you go to a local event, you know, at some regional accelerator and they all do their pitches and, you know, or you're sitting on Zoom and you're watching wherever it is, but you hear all these pitches and you go, oh, great job. That was really great. Very good. And then you look at the other judge and you're like, oh, man, there's no way these guys are never going to make it. Right. <laughs> and we all do that. We all do that. You know, terrific. Congratulations. And then, you know, this happens all the time. I mean, you know, these, I've been in these meetings my whole career and you do it because again, you're trying to support the next generation of innovators, et cetera. Maybe you're doing someone a favor or whatever you're doing it, but um, it's not helpful to the innovator. It's not helpful to the ecosystem to applaud something that you know is never gonna make it. Um, it'd be a lot better to give them honest feedback and help them. Um, and so again, the people who we're working with recognize that they've sat in those rooms and they're tired of it. And they really want to say, hey, I, I just want to find the best companies. I don't need to see everything in Australia to show me the five best companies in Australia. That's where I want to spend my time. I don't want to go to six universities and go to all these different states and, and have to meet with 70 people to find one that might be interesting. You know, you literally sit there and you watch these other pitch events and people are on their laptops and they're doing other things. And then they finally look up when they find one that's interesting. That's just a waste of time. So at my events and MedTech Innovator, we assure them that the time they're spending is with companies that they're interested in. That's a guarantee. Um, now, there are people who volunteer anyways, and he'll say, hey, it's okay if it's outside my sector. I just want to help. Fine. But most of the people um, who are going to be most successful as a mentor or an advisor in MedTech Innovator are going to be aligned tightly with the company. So I'll give you one more example. Even during our road tour, I mentioned before, we have 
90 judges, 30 startups that pitch when we're doing these events in person. We will pair the mentors, or excuse me, the judges in this case, the evaluators, the experts, um, with a subset of companies that they want to see. So 30 companies, they're going to get to see five in the morning and five in the afternoon in private meetings with a judging group, all of whom are also interested in those same companies. And that's the only companies they have to meet with. And they can even move around if there's if the judging group isn't perfect and the schedule isn't such that they, the companies are perfectly aligned, we let them jump around and hop. So they're going to see if they have, if they're giving us four hours or eight hours or whatever amount of time, we want every minute to be valuable. And I'm not kidding when I tell you that people leave our meetings. These are business development executives, the large strategics, investors, and they walk out and they go, that was the most productive day I've had in my career. Um, because they just saw eight or 10 of the hottest companies in that sector that they're interested in. They're like, they're like this is, these are all companies we really want to get to know um, that we might want to invest in or maybe buy down the road. And they got to spend time with them. And those companies are super appreciative. So again, going back to alignment, when the companies finish MedTech Innovator, and that's just the road tour I'm talking about, when they finish MedTech Innovator, they leave with an unbelievable affinity for their mentors and their coaches and the other people they've been working with because they've been talking to them every week in some cases or every other week or every three weeks, or maybe it was just a one-off meeting. But these are people who give them a ton of time, a lot of information. They might give them data on a market. They might give them information on, you know, certainly they get feedback on their pitch. That's easy. But they'll go in and they'll strategically sit down and say like, you know, that indication that you're, you're choosing as your lead, while certainly admirable, is not the right one to go after. And here's the four reasons why. Here are the other indications you might want to consider. You know, they'll do that. Or they'll sit down, they'll say, 510K device, super interesting sector that you're in. You're going to come to the market and offer zero value with a 510K. Um, now, that's not always the case, but I'm saying there. this is feedback that people get in some cases. And they'll say, yeah, but we can get a 510K. I mean, that's what our consultant told us. And they'll go, your consultant's right. You could get a 510K, but you're going to have no clinical evidence to support. You're going to come to the market. No one's going to buy your product. Um, or you're, I mean, by, by default, again, I love 510Ks, so don't get me wrong. Um, but by default, a 510K is saying to somebody, I'm the same as something else. Um, and that definitely minimizes the value. Um, some people might say, we might give advice to people during our program and say, hey, your device um, should be a breakthrough designation device. There's a lot of value for you in being a breakthrough device. Or they might say, don't apply for breakthrough designation. In your particular sector, the way the pricing is going to work, it's actually going to be lower for you if you get a breakthrough than if you don't. Again, these are all speculative. No one's really seen the value of a breakthrough at this point in terms of a uh, a reimbursement. But the point is, they'll get that kind of advice from people who really know because they've been through it. Um, they're managing a product at Baxter, or they're managing a product at J&J, or they're managing 50 other people who are themselves managing products at one of those companies. And they'll say, look, I can tell you right now, that's the wrong, you're, you're, you're planning to enter the market in Cleveland. That's the wrong market. You need to be over here, you know, this is where the value is. Or your your KOL, that's the wrong KOL. They're never going to help you. You know, they're they're older guys who everybody knows, but they're not going to spend any time on your company. You need to be with these guys who are younger and innovative and hungry and want to present their at the conference. And it's all that kind of stuff. Everybody is aligned with saying, like, I want to work with these companies. I want a relationship. These startups leave with a an affinity and they say things to me. And again, they'll say this to me. Privately, behind the scenes, they'll say things like, boy, 
I, I, I got to tell you, you know, we have five potential acquirers. And if, if you know, if I can, it's going to be them. You know, it's going to be Edwards. It's going to be J&J. It's going to be Baxter. It's going to be whomever. It's going to be, you know, that, that company just spent three months, four months, giving me unbelievable guidance, unbelievable coaching, you know. So, you know, these relationships mean something. So since this is the MedTech Money podcast where we're talking about how startups raise money or how sometimes investors invest money, this is probably the question that the audience has been waiting for, but we needed to know what MedTech Innovator was and have all this background. So even being a part of the program or a graduate or a successful winner of MedTech Innovator, and you even mentioned at this point, investors are sending you companies, which is quite unique within itself. Graduating or being affiliated with MedTech Innovator as a MedTech startup, does it make you more investable? MedTech Innovator absolutely makes you more investable. Um, I can say that definitively. Uh, we have the data to support it. You look at the overall data in the universe, Silicon Valley Bank has a great product called Cypher Bio um, that's largely free, although there's a Cypher Bio Pro that's brand new. Um, I'm not being paid to say that. Uh, I'm, I'm paying them. Uh, but Cypher Bio has data every single quarter on the overall market um, in medtech and biopharma and other sectors, digital health, and they track the overall performance um, of, of various entities. And I can tell you, MedTech Innovator is not only the largest accelerator in the world for medical technology, for MedTech, um, actually we're the largest accelerator for all the life sciences. Um, even though we don't have biopharma companies, we're so large in terms of our, our um, portfolio at this point that we're the largest in the world. But more importantly, it's not just about size, it's about performance. Um, and if you look at the deal flow, you look at who's getting funded, it's like a third to a third or so of the companies that are getting funded are MedTech Innovator portfolio companies. Um, and there's no other accelerator that can say that. Um, they might have one or two companies that get funded at the end of the cycle. Our companies are almost all funded. Um, I think the number on the last um, report was like 85% of our companies have raised an equity round. Um, and that's, that's amazing. And the ones that haven't have huge non-dilutive funding. It's not like, oh, they've never raised any money. Um, if they included non-dilutive funding, it would be more like 98% of the companies have raised funding. Um, so that's very important. These companies, and again, that's an important metric, funding. Um, and we've got at this point, I think about 90 products on the market from our portfolio. Um, that's huge, right? If you want to measure impact products on the market, to me, is a huge metric. Um, and I'm very proud that we have so many on the market. Um, we've got acquisitions. We had one that got announced today. Silver Cloud Health um, was acquired today by Amwell, uh, or is at least announced today. Um, so we've got acquisitions that are happening all the time. We've got fundings. We've got all these things. Um, I, I, my fingers get tired posting on LinkedIn, congratulations, funding alert, um, acquisition alert. I'm literally like half my time is spent like posting congratulation notices to our companies, um, which is great. Um, I'm very happy to be able to do that. Um, so again, you know, these are, these are companies that are going to be successful. It, uh, and I, so you asked, does it make you more investable? Fundamentally, look, these companies have to be great companies, right? They got to be great companies to get into MedTech Innovator in the first place. We make them more investable. Our, we completely rework their pitches. Um, that's something I do personally. Um, I, I have the benefit of seeing, you know, tens of thousands of pitches over my career. So I know it makes a good story. We help people tell their story. 
Um, we give them, every single company makes a video and make a one minute video that is incredibly powerful in terms of their marketing. Um, we teach them how to do it. It is not a, we don't just say make a video. We have a whole series. I do a webinar on it. We give them coaching. We give them feedback. We give them feedback on their scripts. We help them produce it in terms of, you know, giving them guidance um, or directing them to resources. It produces unbelievable video. That's one great asset. We give them value coaching. So we have a value workshop at the beginning of the program. Then we give them two coaches to the whole program who work with them on their value propositions. We have a whole framework that Deloitte and AdMed put together that we built a whole program around called the value program, um, which completely rethinks who the stakeholders are, what's the value they offer to them, what are the economics, um, you know, and ultimately for the purchaser, do these economics make sense? Can this product be purchased at the end? It will be exciting for that person to purchase the product at the end. Does it offer all the right clinical and economic value? That's just a minor part of our program. Um, all the, you know, the investors, we introduce them to investors. If you go back categorically and you talk to the graduates of MedTech Innovator, they'll say, I met my investor through MedTech Innovator. I met my lead. I met my acquirer through MedTech Innovator. I met, you know, my COO through MedTech Innovator. I met all the, you know, they meet all these people through MedTech Innovator. They form relationships. Um, they definitely become more investable. Um, the data proves it out, but the stories are, are way more powerful. So I'm sensitive to time. However, I do want to make this very clear. I have three questions that I can't give up and it's up to you on how long we go. But I, I do have three more that I want to get through and many more that I'm just not going to have time to ask. But the first one is, and segueing off of what you just said then, semi-redundant, but for absolute clarity for the audience out there, what does an ideal applicant have to hit? And why do you turn away applicants? What, what okay. don't they have? So... To get into MedTech Innovator, you have to have strategic interest from one of our corporate partners, at least. Have to have that. That's very important. So we turn away companies every year who are really interesting companies, and we don't have a corporate mentor for that. Uh, and we'll tell them that. We'll say, love your company, great feedback in general You know, from all the people who saw you and, and evaluated it, love what you're doing. We don't have the right corporate partner, so we can't take you this year. Don't be offended. We don't have the right partner. We don't want to take you if we, we don't have someone to mentor you um, and who's, again, strategically aligned with mentoring you. So to qualify that, I'm sorry to cut you off, just to qualify that for the listeners. So you're saying if I'm an applicant, ABC startup, and I'm saying, Paul, I want to be part of your program, and Boston Scientific already told me that they're interested, am I in? Only if they're a sponsor of MedTech Innovator. They have to be one of our corporate partners. Okay. Um, so it is not just that some strategic said they're interested because- everyone will tell you they have a strategic who's told them they were interested. Um, and again, not to, not to, you know, not to belabor the point, but strategics and investors um, don't like to say no. Uh, they don't want to turn somebody away who might become valuable down the road. So they often will say, Hey, too early. Hey, you know um, you know, not right, right now for us, but please, you know, follow up with us, love to stay in touch because they, they don't want to have somebody who says, well, I'm never going back. And I'll tell you, the entrepreneurs definitely say that to me. They'll say, oh, I pitched so-and-so, they weren't interested. And they're never planning to go back to that person again. Um, so, you know, they need to make it clear. The investor needs to say like, hey, we are really interested. We want to track you. Please stay in touch with us with genuinely. You know, we really like what you're doing, if that's true. Um, so if they don't, I'd much rather they say no, and we, we're never going to be interested. You know, you're never going to be the right CEO for us or whatever the, whatever the objection is. Back to MedTech Innovator. You have to have a MedTech Innovator corporate sponsor who is interested in you and specifically our strategics. We have a lot of them. 
So, the, and, the, and a lot of them are very broad. So the likelihood is we're gonna cover pretty much every sector. But for example, I had some great companies that make prosthetics this year who made it all the way to the very end of our process to like, you know, as I said, we picked 50 companies in the main program who were like number 57 on that list and who didn't make into the program. Um, love those companies. I'd be happy to, to offline say who they are, but these are companies that we didn't have a partner for. We didn't have a partner who said prosthetics. Yes, I'm all over that. Um, I'd love to mark, uh, love to mentor them. We're, we're targeting some of those players. We're targeting people who are in that space to be our sponsors next year. This is our first year having a diabetes focused company. We have Dexcom as a partner. Dexcom is amazing, incredibly innovative. They're doing amazing work in sensors and other things. Um, and they're very interested. They just opened up a venture fund um, in the space. So Dexcom is really a company to, to keep your eyes on. Um, Dexcom now made it so that we had a dedicated diabetes and metabolic disorder event, um, and purely because we have them as a partner. Um, so it definitely makes a difference. So that's the first one, as you said, to your qualifying question, have to have alignment with one of our strategic partners. Um, and we put that on our website. We actually have a page under the About Us tab on the MedTech Innovator website that lists all the strategic interests for that year. It doesn't mean that we won't take somebody because there is definitely white space that we don't always put on that list that one of our partners will say, hey, hey, we're not going to say exactly what we're interested in. But if you see any companies that are doing um, something in wound healing or if you see a company that is doing you know, cellular therapy, we're, we're interested in that space, even though we don't tell everybody we are yet. So we'll, we'll take somebody or sleep apnea or whatever. But that's definitely a great resource. Um, criteria wise, you have to have a solid team that is going to work reasonably full time um, during MedTech Innovator as a program and hopefully later beyond MedTech Innovator. So that means one man startup or one woman startup uh, who's a clinician who's never going to leave their job is really going to struggle to get into MedTech Innovator. We have taken them on occasion, but only because our strategic partner was like, I still want that company. Um, we've had companies where every one of them are like they're, they're graduating from biodesign in Texas. Um, and someone will say, hey, you know, uh, none of us are full time. You know, we're, we're all we're all part time. None of us are committed to be part of the company. And unless we have a corporate partner who's going, I don't care. Um, I know who the team is uh, and we're going to put them in place or something like that. We still want that company. They're not going to make it. in. So they got to have a committed team. Um, very important. They have to have funding to accomplish the upcoming key milestone um, or milestones in some cases. Um, now, that doesn't mean they have to have 10 million or 20 million or whatever. It can be non-dilutive funding. If they're a software company, they can say, we're not we're going to work for free for the next six months to hit that milestone. But whatever it is, they need to have the funding that's required to hit that next key milestone that we can help evaluate whether or not they're being successful. We have awards we give for execution. If I can't see the people execute, I can't evaluate them properly. Um, if we can't, if we're going to give them advice, we never, here's what we never want to see, Giovanni. I never want a company who comes in who says, hey, if we raise money, we're going to be able to do that. So, you know, we're, we're done. We've got it. We've, we raised $500,000. Um, we're out of it. Um, but we're, we've got a really exciting technology and we're hoping to raise capital to do this next thing you're not going to make it into MedTech Innovator. You have to have the ability to execute. It's a critical component. Um, we also have to have, as I said, value, or at least we determine that you have value. Um, you should be able to articulate it as an entrepreneur. You should be able to tell us what your value proposition is. 
That is the new elevator pitch is your value proposition, um, as we like to say. And if you can't tell us your value proposition, if you can't articulate who the stakeholders are and what benefit they're going to derive both clinically and economically, you're not going to make it in a med tech innovator. Um, if you come in and go, I've got this amazing technology that's going to allow us to uh, you know, change the way cells divide and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, what are you going to do with that? And who's going to pay for it? And why? They're like, I don't know. But we know this is really exciting breakthrough technology. There's other places you could go. You, know, you can go to, go to breakout labs where you, know, you can spend time and they'll help you figure it out. They'll figure out a business model. We're not in the business of figuring out your business model. We'll make it better or we might challenge you on the business model. But you got to have an idea of what your value prop is. Um, and then lastly, obviously, and, and again, that certainly incorporates product and need and all those things. Um, at the end of the day, we got to like the team. We have to think that your team really is someone we want to bet on, just like an investor. I mean, I was an investor for 12 years at a venture capital fund um, and an angel investor before that. I left that out. And I will tell you that it's always about the team. You asked that question in the opening, is innovation you know, is, uh, is the lifeblood of a company, a med tech company, capital and people. And, and while, yes, the, I think there are four components, as I mentioned, people at the end of the day are the ones who get this done. That's why we call this med tech innovator. And if you don't have the right team, and I don't mean the long-term team, you know, these are still early companies. We know the CEO will, is, is statistically not likely to be the CEO at the end of the journey. Um, but the person who's there right now better be able to accomplish the current milestones. Um, otherwise, we're all wasting our breath. We have companies that come to us and say, hey, I don't have time to participate, but I have this other person who is like a consultant and they can participate. And we go, no, thank you. So again, it's got to be the right team. They have to be the ones to participate. It doesn't have to be the CEO. There are times when it's the, the COO or the, the head of clinical or CMO or somebody who's the is the point person for MedTech Innovator. Um, it's rare, but that does happen at times. Um, and if that's the right person, then we're fine. We're, we're more than happy. It's got to have the right team. That's critical. So we've kicked up a lot of dust on all these, and there's a few gaps, ones that I want to fill right now, because you mentioned the word specifically, I recognized gaps, and that's why I created MedTech Innovator. I just want to close and fill in that gap. What was your perspective on that? Why did you create MedTech Innovator? What gaps did you see? And now having done it for five or six years, what gaps do you know that you filled? Uh, so that's a, it's a great question. When we look at the universe, when I look at the universe, and as you said, why did I start this in the first place? Um, innovation is no longer based in Boston and San Francisco on the coast. Um, innovation is everywhere. Innovation is from all over the US, from all over the globe. The best companies are not, as I said, from what we classically consider to be the big hubs. And the companies in those ecosystems all over the world, whether they're in Kansas, whether they're in, in Galway, Ireland, whether they're in Singapore, whether they're um, in, in Shenzhen, it doesn't matter where these companies are based, whether they're in San Francisco, actually, even, um, these companies get bad advice. The gap we're filling for is bad advice. Um, the investors in early stage medtech, your Mr. You know, Mr. Money or MedTech Money. And you know, <laughs> um, you know, you know this, Giovanni, you got a list of thousands of investors, right? Who invest in these companies. Most of them don't know very much, all that much about healthcare. Um, some do, but um, MedTech Innovator was formed, as I said, at RCT Ventures, which was one of the few remaining 
early stage venture funds in medtech. We made a strategic decision to stay in medtech, you know, as a company that had, you know, a half a billion dollars or so at the time to invest. We stayed in early stage medtech when everybody else moved on to later stage companies. And as an industry, there was a lot of discussion about the, the fact that the Series A was getting crunched and all these companies that were getting seeded were not getting capital. Um, and someone's filling that gap. These companies are raising capital. There are thousands of investors investing in medtech. Most of them have no idea how to bring products to market. They have great intentions. They've got great hearts um, and they want to make money too. Um, and they say, hey, you need to make sure you get your MVP out there and, and then iterate as quickly as possible. It doesn't work when you're doing clinical studies. Um, they'll come out and they'll say, like, you know, make sure, you know, your ARR, you know, your annual recurring revenue hits this metric, or you got to get a certain amount of CAC, you know, with consumer, consumer acquisition costs and whatever, because that's what they learned from the latest photo sharing app or from the latest Clubhouse audio app. Um, they, you know, that's, that's where they've been indoctrinated and they're trying to help these medical technology startups that are really focused on, should be focused on clinical evidence and value. Um, and they're giving them terrible advice. Get to market as quickly as possible with the smallest market and make a dent there. And then other people will see the value. No, they won't. Um, so, so the, the key is that there is a massive guidance gap. There's a bad advice problem in the medical industry. And it's why we have so many compelling companies that are failing because they're getting terrible advice. And so MedTech Innovator was formed to fill that gap to say, let's bring the world's best ecosystem to the world's best startups and make sure the technologies get to patients with the maximum value possible. That's the gap that we wanted to fill. And I can tell you that is the gap that we are filling. Last question. You've talked about thousands of startups who have reached out to, who've applied. You've put 90 plus products on the market, like you were so proud to say, um, and obviously made a huge dent on a global capacity with amazing partners. But Paul Grand, you're, you're one man. How does MedTech Innovator do it? Is, is there more of you? What's that team look like? You're one man and you've been able to do all this. How does MedTech Innovator do it? So in the US, MedTech Innovator has seven employees. Um, we have in Singapore, two employees, soon to be three. Um, so we've got a, a lean staff. As I said, I am a startup. Uh, and some of the other accelerators who are way smaller than us have tripled the staff that we do. Um, however, I'll tell you that we are very top heavy in terms of experience. We have a lot of experience in the people that I've hired. Um, now, that's not to say that the only guidance that people are getting is from my team. Far from it. We are facilitating people who we know really know what they're talking about. So we will go out and we will pair people up with the best people in the entire world for whatever problem it is they're trying to solve. And I don't mean just whatever clinical indication they're trying to tackle or whatever disease they're trying to solve. I mean, every other little nuanced aspect of being a successful med tech company. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do. I literally have every year, hundreds to thousands of volunteers who are part of our program. Um, and they're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and they're doing it for alignments that we talked about earlier, but I could never do it without them. It'd be impossible to do this, to say, hey, come to MedTech Innovator, you're gonna sit with my team and we're gonna tell you all these things. I could never hire enough people to do that. Look at the FDA. If you listen to Jeff Shuren, he talks all the time about beefing up their regulatory science, getting people out of, uh, out of Washington and sending them through their experiential learning program out to all these different innovators because they want their 
reviewers to understand what it's like to be a startup um, and what the challenges are that they face. Um, we've worked with them on this. So the point is you, you can never, as one entity, have all of those people under your roof. It's just impossible. If the FDA can't do it, no one could do it. So you have to have a great ecosystem of all sorts of people who are the world's best experts and have them help these companies. And that's what we're able to tap into. I can never do it without their help. Um, in some cases, we do it also with their financial support. But the most important thing is the time they spend. And there are people who spend hundreds and hundreds of hours working for MedTech Innovator every year. Um, many of them do that. And many of them do even more than that. So they're volunteering. Um, they're not getting credit on a on a form somewhere. They're not, you know, but they but you'll see them listing it on their LinkedIn profiles that they're advisors and mentors, um, and they certainly brag about it. And eventually, they're either investing in these companies or partnering with these companies, or maybe just patting them on the back and saying, "Great job, guys!" Um, but you know, these are people who are going to stay engaged for years with these companies and form relationships that you know we didn't cover this in our discussion today, but. Um, when you talk to venture investors or, or angel investors, they'll often tell you that the company that we just invested in um, is not the the company is not the first time this entrepreneur pitched us. They may have pitched them on an earlier round or maybe in a different company. Um, a lot of the times, it's a relationship that took years to mature, and they said, "Hey, yeah, I got to know Giovanni two companies ago. You know, we really got to know each other, and Giovanni, you know, and I like each other. And when he did his next company, we funded it." Um, those are the kind of relationships we're building through MedTech Innovator. Those are the kinds of people who are volunteering. You know, they're doing it for the right reasons. And ultimately, it's paying off for everyone. Paul Grand, founder and CEO of MedTech Innovator, where we just spent the past hour and change learning how MedTech Innovator helps MedTech startups become more investable and certainly how to be part of the program and the value that you bring. I want to say thank you so much for your time for sharing your story and certainly representing and leading the medtech industry and helping out all those entrepreneurs who desperately need it. So thank you very much again. This is MedTech Money, demystifying raising capital. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Giovanni. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. If you need anything from the podcast, you can always contact us at info at Thanks for listening and have a great day.